us in our daily lives. And in all honesty, I don't know how it can't. I don't know how we can't be increased in faith when we examine the Lord and how we can't receive strength to do what God says when we look at Him. And again, there's only two things that you can look at. You can look at the task, or you can look at He who gave you the task and gave the grace and gave all the abilities to have victory over whatever it is that's there. And so often, like Peter, we get out of the boat and we see the storm and we take our eyes off of the Lord. And so we want to make sure that we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the hand of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son... God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in, the order, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God. And again, this fear is not where Abraham was terrified of God, but rather he reverenced him. And he, he saw God as being the only uh, potentate who was worthy of all obedience. That's what this fear is. It's that filial or fear we ought to give unto our uh, earthly father and even uh, our, earth, our, our, our mothers that uh, we obey them. That's the kind of fear here. This isn't, oh, he was scared to death not to do it. No, it's because God said, this is what I want you to do. And so he trusted God and he did it. And he was going to leave all of the working out of everything unto the Lord. That's what this fear is. And it says here in this verse, it says, For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, 
In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now again, we find here the name that Abraham gives and there in verse 14 we find its meaning there in verse 8 where Abraham said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so again, we went over the text a little bit last week. We spoke about it and we're just simply going to pick up where we left off. Now the context of this Genesis chapter 22 and and the context in which this name is given is salvation. This is a tremendous picture of the substitutionary sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible tells us that God requires a sacrifice. And it also tells us that we cannot give such a sacrifice. And what we find is is here is that uh, the Lord Jesus is our substitute. Mm -hmm. And you and I couldn't provide a sacrifice and we couldn't provide righteousness, but in the same person, both sacrifice and righteousness were provided by the Lord. The Bible tells us, if you turn over into Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, and again, this is not something that's unfamiliar to us, it's one uh, passage of Scripture that we've read uh, more than once before, and yet we find that it It just continues to reiterate the great truth of Scripture that in the person of Jesus Christ, God has provided the salvation for men, women, boys, and girls who believe on Him. And in Hebrews chapter 10, and notice if you would, beginning at verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Notice, who offered those sacrifices? They did it. But in Genesis 22, Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. So he not only provides it, he's the one who also does the sacrificing. And it's all in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is that which propitiates or satisfies. He's the offering. He's the one who takes it yonder to God's throne. He's also the fit man who takes the scapegoat out into the wilderness never to be seen from again. He is everything that God has provided for our salvation. Verse 2 of Hebrews 10. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when He, that is Jesus, cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins... Thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And above, when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offering, 
and, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So there's the great truth. And you can turn over, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. And you'll notice here again that the Lord God has provided a sacrifice for sins. And it tells us in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. And you know, when someone provides something for you, you say thank you, don't you? And here we find that the Apostle Paul writes unto the church of God at Corinth, and notice what he says here in verse 15 in reference unto Jesus Christ. He says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. And that's in reference unto Jesus Christ. That's in reference unto God giving His only begotten Son at Calvary's tree so that we might be saved. He provided that, didn't He? And as we look, we find that God provided a sacrifice for us at Calvary. We find that God provided on Mount Moriah and He provided on Mount Calvary. We look back to Calvary, whereas Abraham and those looked forward to Calvary. Again, Abraham didn't provide a sacrifice for sins. And you and I didn't provide a sacrifice for sins. Many today think that they need to do something in order to be saved from their sins or kept saved or something of one of those variations. But the Bible makes it explicitly clear that God will provide Himself a lamb or a ram, or an animal, or a sacrifice for a burnt offering. The Bible teaches that God provides. It is not provided by a person, by a church, by an ordinance, but it is provided by God, and it is through faith in His provision that one is saved. Now as we look down through Scriptures, we find here that that there's only one way in order to be saved. And you can turn over, again, a very familiar Scripture to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. And we'll notice here, verse 6. You see, there's only one way in which an individual can be saved. And that's through the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only provided way there is. Man has come up with, pretty much, there's only one other thing that man has said. And, and it's, it's you're going to do a bunch of works and get into heaven. And God says, no, I've provided a way and I've taken care of everything in the person of Jesus Christ. And there's different variations of what man has said over here. But it all boils down to essentially aprons of fig leaves is what it comes back to. But God has provided in the person of Jesus Christ eternal salvation. He has provided in Him forgiveness of sins. Pardon from all of our iniquities. It's all in that person because He's the Lamb that was provided. John 14 verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. Not 
a way, but the way. Which means it's excluding all others. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is it. And we say that unapologetically. We say it with deep and great conviction that there is no alternative to coming to God except by Jesus Christ. And that is by faith in Him. You see, God never has required a sacrifice from any man in order to be saved. Because He said, I'll provide it. I'll take care of it. He says, this is, I'm going to do it. And you know why He had to do it? Because we couldn't offer anything. So substantial, so sufficient, we couldn't offer a sinless sacrifice, could we? The Bible tells us that this do and live, this do not do and die. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't do it. So He provided one who lived perfectly and He provided one to offer a perfect, sinless blood. See, everything else is tainted with sin except for the person of Jesus. And God, He provided Him. The Bible tells us that it was God in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. See, this is the Lord's work. And this is the only sacrifice that God has ever offered, and it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. So this is the immediate context of Genesis chapter 22. But we really need to open this up broader as far as the name Jehovah Jireh. Because God will provide has a far greater reaching effect than just salvation. Does God only provide for salvation? Certainly not. Genesis chapter 2 alone tells us that God took care of man's need then. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a help me fit for him, or a help meet for him, or a help fit for him, or a help suitable for him. And so God provided a help that was fit and suitable for him, didn't he? So God provides in that way. Look over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. No, the Lord provides. He will provide. And again, as we noted uh, Wednesday night, God does use means to provide things, doesn't He? We noted when we were speaking on the Word of God that God, uh, in order to teach the Word of God, He uses means. He uses His church. He uses parents. He uses Sunday school teachers. He uses the song service. He uses all manner of things to teach and instruct us in the Word of God. Amen. So He uses means to do things. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God provides for our bodies. And notice, again, this is a tremendous passage of Scripture. In Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3 it says, And He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now notice, thy raiment 
waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. I don't know about you guys, but you know, we go through shoes a lot because they just keep growing. Israel went 40 years. They didn't have to get new shoes or make new shoes. Their garments didn't wear out. And apparently God made some of them content to wear the same clothes for 40 years. But isn't it something? Say, well, he's never done that for me. Well, you weren't wandering for 40 years in a wilderness either, were you? But he provides, doesn't he? And these may not be all the things that we want or desire, but he does provide for our needs. Look over in chapter 29, verse 5 and 6. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Here again, he reiterates the very same thing. Unto Israel of old, that he provided for the Israelites their clothes. Again, you just marvel at this. How could this be? Deuteronomy 29, verse 4 and 5, or excuse me, verse 5 and 6. It says, And I have led you forty years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxen old upon you, and thy shoe is not waxen old upon thy foot. You have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you might know that I am the Lord your God. Boy, isn't that something? He provided for him, didn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ provides for many temporal things. He provides for His church to carry out the work of the Lord. And the Great Commission, as we often call it, to provide for His church to be a light in this world and the salt of the earth. He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He provided for His church to be the pillar in the ground of the truth. He has provided for nearly 2,000 years that His church would be on this earth. He has provided for those churches. And how has He done it? By grace and strength, hasn't He? But He's also provided them ministers and pastors and teachers and folks who would declare the Word of God, who would be faithful, who would be firm and grounded and settled in the truth. He has also provided for the financial needs of the church and He has dictated how that's to be done through the giving of tithes and offerings and free will offerings. God has provided. And you know, it's interesting, the church, when we came here, they said, well, this is what we can do. And God laughed, didn't He? He said, well, here's what I'm going to enable you to do. And the church has provided more for us and provided more for us and needs at different times have arisen and we've been able to support other ministries uh, in ways that we probably hadn't thought we would be and all the while the, the treasury has increased. And some thought, boy, we're really doing something with what we're going to give them to start. And God laughed. He said, I'm going to provide. And he did provide. But you look back at that name of God and it doesn't say and God did provide. 
It's God will provide. It's a continuous word. God will provide. I stand before you as 37 year, almost 37 year example of God providing. My mother was pregnant with me and uh, Jimmy Carter had, you know, been in office and all of his government assistance programs. And Ronald Reagan comes on the scene and he cuts a whole bunch of them. And so my parents got to go to the top of the list for getting their house built. So they got their house built. Mom's pregnant with me. Dad's doing mission work. Grandpa Hilly's got cancer. Dad loses his job. And they need a new car. My mom goes to Dad. She says, what are we going to do? And he says, Laura will take care of it all. They're still in that house. They don't have that car anymore because it waxed old. But he provided. Amen. Why can't we trust God and do what He says? When He said, My name is Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. Amen. And there are times when things get real lean, don't they? But He still provides in the lean times. And those lean times are meant to strengthen us that we would trust Him and rely upon Him that He will provide. He might not provide the way we want Him to. He might not make us comfortable, but He will provide for what we stand in need of. We find that God provides under shepherds and pastors he provides that His people shall lack nothing. Boy, isn't that something? Lack nothing. He provides for grace for His people to serve. In fact, Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Listen to what Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah 23.4 And I will set up sh uh, shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking saith the Lord. God said, I'm going to set up shepherds over them and they're not going to lack anything. And that's something. God has provided first and foremost for the sin question. And I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just stupid enough to believe that if God can take care of that sin question, He's going to take care of everything else. Now that doesn't mean that we can be irresponsible. And we can just live however we want and say, well, God will provide. But there are things in the Scriptures that God says, this is what you are to do. And His provision is for the things we are to do. And sometimes we take His provision and we use it irreverently. I mean, what if Abraham would have saw that ram in the thicket and said, all right, and still offered Isaac but took the ram down the mountain and says, we got supper. That's not what it was for, was it? That was the substitutionary offering for Isaac. And sometimes that's what we do. God provides, 
We don't use it like He intended us to. But He will provide. That I am sure of. You know, I've seen folks who they try to provide for themselves and, and they just need to trust the Lord. They're not God. You can't provide for yourself. But God will provide, and He may provide through you, but it's God who does the provision. And so may the Lord help us to behold this great name and to view it. If you're here and, and He hasn't taken care, or you haven't had your, the, the question of sin in your life taken care of, He's the only one who will. And He'll take care of everything else. So may the Lord help us. And we'll have a brief intermission until 11 o'clock.